Well, I've taken three weeks to address the coronavirus concerns that are out there on Sunday mornings. During that time, I had moved our study in John to Sunday night. Last week, we had a Singspiration, so we didn't do anything in John. But the Singspiration sure was a blessing. Amen. It was a huge help for me personally, and I'm, I'm very thankful we were able to have that still. And for the sake of trying to restore some normalcy to our services... I'm going to return to our series through the gospel according to John this morning. We'll be in John chapter 16. But I don't reckon we can get away from preaching about the virus since that's what's going on. And so that's just the way it is. Two weeks ago in our series through John, we covered John 16 verses 1 through 4. But the emphasis was really from verse 1 where Jesus said that ye should not be offended. That means Jesus' desire was that they would not be tripped up, that they would not stumble when something came into their path. And I am always awed by the Holy Spirit's leading. That we could start that series in October of 2016, and yet on the very weekend that the coronavirus was beginning to upset our daily routine in South Dakota, we landed on that text. That is of the Lord. That is not something I could have planned. You know that. And so God wanted us to hear that we are not to be tripped up during these days of uncertainty. We need to go on trusting Him. We need to go on walking by faith. We need to go on with the assurance that God is still on the throne. That He is in complete control. Nothing is taking Him by surprise. Our days are still in His hands. He will give us an expected end. We are still to be confident of this very thing that He which hath begun a good work in us, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. We don't have to be tripped up along the way, and we don't have to be offended. Let's begin by reading verses 1 through 6 of John chapter 16. The Bible says, These things have I spoken unto you, that ye should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. And these things will they do unto you, because they have not known the Father, nor me. But these things have I told you, that when the time shall come, ye may remember that I told you of them. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning, because I was with you. But now I go my way to him that sent me, and none of you asketh me, whither goest thou? But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. In verse 5, Jesus mentions again, during this discourse, that He is going away. He says He's going to go back to Him that sent Him. Now, Jesus says, None of you asketh me, Whither goest thou? And that's interesting that our Lord would say that, because we know in John 13, 36, that Peter did ask, Lord, Whither goest thou? Jesus answered, Whither I go, thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. The reason for this seeming contradiction is because Peter's question is really being asked out of context of what Jesus was saying. Peter was looking at this as an earthly destination. Jesus was talking about going back to his heavenly home. Amen. And so the question wasn't being asked in the right context. Thomas also asked in John 14, 5, Lord, we know not whither thou goest and how can we know the way? But in both of those questions by Peter and Thomas, the issue wasn't pressed any further 
when Jesus says what He says, the disciples didn't ask any further clarification about His soon departure. How many of you have learned that in your Christian life there will be times of uncertainty? Amen. There are times when we don't understand it all. There are times when God's plan doesn't make a whole lot of sense to us. I'll confess to you that I don't understand all that God is doing through this coronavirus outbreak. I have absolutely no doubt that God is in control and that He is in complete control. I do believe it's a judgment from God to bring His people to realize that we need to be in a closer walk with Him. That we need to stop being so apathetic in our Christianity. I can tell you what it's doing for me personally is making me understand and realize we have wasted time. And we don't have much time. We have to be busy about the Father's uh, business. And, and yet, it, it may not make complete sense. We don't understand it all. I don't understand how slowing the church efforts is helping. But I know God's behind it. We, we could talk about the God of this world and all that, but ultimately God's in control. Amen? I don't understand how slowing church efforts is going to help. I don't understand how limiting the assembling together of the saints is going to benefit us. I don't understand how closing churches across this land and the world is helping us. I don't understand how that's going to work out for our good and His glory. But the Bible still says in Romans 8.28 that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. I'm not saying that I disagree with what the CDC is recommending. We have limited gathering sizes. We will cancel when our county goes to substantial community spread. Right now we are still in the minimal to moderate category. We will continue to follow the CDC's guidelines. And to be frank with you, I'm not smart enough to agree or disagree with what they would recommend. Amen. Our government was established for the general welfare of the people. The opening sentence in the preamble of the Constitution of the United States reads, We the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. I understand the need for what the CDC is recommending. And, and as I said, we will continue to follow their recommendations and the recommendations of our governmental authorities. We want to honor government in the process of honoring God to the extent that we are able. The Bible says to do that. I just hope that our blessings of liberties are restored to us after the fact. Amen. I've maintained the thing that bothers me the most isn't the virus. It's how big the government may grow through this. But that's a message for another time. Now, they had some opinions here. And I feel like the disciples here today. They had some ideas of what Jesus was going to do. They had, they had their opinions. They clearly had some ignorance as well. I feel the same way. I, I have my opinions on what God is doing through this, but I have a lot of ignorance 
as well and what God is up to. Let's not forget, though, their situation was far worse than ours. Jesus said the day is coming when they will think that killing you is doing God's service. We're not at that point. Amen. So our situation isn't nearly as bad. If we were to be honest, all we're really being bothered with is the fact that our daily schedule is being disrupted. But other than that, there's not a whole lot that we're really having to deal with. Um, Not really persecution. I understand that some in our church may get affected. I'm, I'm praying that doesn't happen. But if it does, we'll deal with it. That will be difficult. So far, we haven't had it difficult in this part of our state. Would you agree with that this morning? We haven't had it that difficult. It didn't make sense to our disciples that Christ would go away. And this was because they had an idea of what they thought the Messiah should do. How He should operate. They thought Christ would establish an earthly kingdom in their day. Therefore, talks of Christ dying and going away didn't make a whole lot of sense to their minds. But I want you to notice that our Lord wanted them to understand. Jesus said, And none of you asketh me, Whither goest thou? This indicates to me that Jesus would have been fine with them asking the question. I think we could say that our Lord wanted them to ask for some clarification on what He was doing. And I, and I want to remind you this morning that that's part of what prayer is. Prayer is asking God. Part of our prayer is to go to God in times of uncertainty. And to be honest with you, that ought to be our very first response whenever we become shaken, whenever we become uncertain, is that we run to God in prayer. That should be our first response. But have you noticed that sometimes it's during days of uncertainty when we become the most quiet with our Lord. And instead of running to God, we turn inwardly. Our faith becomes shaken. When we don't understand the operation of God we kind of get jittery. I can understand that reaction. And during times of uncertainty, we may be like these disciples and we begin to ask questions that are really out of context of what God is doing. I think all of us at some point or another, we've had times when we didn't know what was going to happen next. And through that, maybe we got our eyes off of Christ. And we really lost sight of What the main thing is. But God's people are to remain steady in their walk with Him. And and I want you to understand, God may not give us the reasons for why He does what He does. We're not owed that. He, He may not give us that. It may be something we don't understand until later on. These disciples really wouldn't fully understand all that was taking place until after the resurrection. And even then, when people told them that He had risen from the dead, they didn't believe it. And Jesus ends up upbraiding them for their lack of faith. I may not see all the reasons for this virus until after the fact. I can testify that this has been true in several of the difficulties in my life. That you don't see it until you maybe have some years behind you. And you look back and you realize, God had a plan in it all. 
But it may not be till years later that we can look back and understand God's providential hand at work in our lives. And I would tell you, in every detail of our life, even when I didn't know it that He was at work, He was. And even though I thought He had given up on me, He hadn't. And even when I didn't think He was there, He was there the whole time. I believe that will be the case with this outbreak. While going through the midst of all this, which we are being asked to do, it may not make a whole lot of a sense right now on how God is working, but I'm trusting that the day will arrive when we can look back and we can see God's hand in it all. I hope we will see how God was trying to use this to burn the dross out of our lives. That He would put us through a little bit of fire so that the impurities would come to the surface and He could remove those from our lives. And we could realize that we need to be closer with Him. Walking closer with Him. Reading the Bible more. Being more faithful. Witnessing to people. And letting people know that there's a God in heaven. And I fear that what we have done is that we have wasted time. God is trying to say to the church, Wake up! You've got a work to do. If He was done with us, we wouldn't be here. He's got a plan for our lives. And I can tell you at the very base of that is to bring glory to Him. God is trying to get us to the point where all of the impurities can be removed. That we can look back and we can see how God has been leading To purify us further. To conform us into the image of Christ. And I've got to tell you, I hope this is the case. Because the days are going to wax worse and worse according to the Bible. And I believe the day is coming in my lifetime. I believe it will certainly come in my children's lifetime. That we will look back at this and this will seem insignificant. That's what the Bible teaches The Bible says in Proverbs 17.3, The fining pot is for silver, the furnace for gold, but the Lord trieth the hearts. 1 Peter 1.6 and 7 says, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory, At the appearing of Jesus Christ. And I want you to understand this morning that all God wants from us is to be thoroughly right with Him. Are you beginning to see that a lot of what we thought really isn't that important? It's not about establishing a a kingdom. It's not about making this some kind of a a major footprint that we can be proud of. It's about bringing glory to God. It's about winning people to Christ. And I believe that we have gotten our eyes off of the main thing. God is trying to tell us, you need to get it back in the right place. He wants us to praise Him, honor Him, glorify Him more and more through each of our trials. And through all of this, He is showing us where our hearts are at. Do we really believe what we've preached? Do we really believe what we've been amening before all of this? 
And understand, it isn't that God is asking us to understand it all. But it's a matter of whether or not we will wholly trust Him and His Word. Jesus tells His disciples here that He's going away, but their lack of understanding affected their response because their faith is beginning to shake. This isn't how it was supposed to turn out. They were not supposed to hear that, hey, they're going to want to kill you. This is not how things were supposed to go in their minds. I want you to understand that our lack of understanding does not have to affect our response to God. But that's what happens so many times. Just because we don't fully understand all that God is doing doesn't mean we have to throw in the towel. Just because we don't understand doesn't mean we need to turn inwardly. We can still ask the Lord our questions for clarification. And we can still have faith in God and His plans. Even if it's a situation where His thoughts are not our thoughts and His ways are not our ways, we can still trust Him. It doesn't have to affect our walk with God. Our response to God in times of uncertainty ought to be the same as our response to God in the times of certainty. He is our God who never changes. His Word never changes. But it is we who struggle with the changes in our lives. It is we who all of a sudden struggle with our faith in God because the circumstances have changed. But God hasn't changed. His plans haven't changed. We just need to have faith. It's amazing that these men were so certain in following Christ when He said, follow me three and a half years earlier. But before the sun rises upon our text, they will all forsake Him and flee. That's amazing. They went from forsaking all to following Him to forsaking the one they forsook all to follow. What changed? Christ didn't change. His plan didn't change. His word didn't change. All that changed. All that changed was what they thought and how they thought everything should have unfolded. You with me? They did not count on hearing about the difficult times to come. And how many Christians do we know who once had a zeal for God, but when their faith was put to the test, they folded it. John Mark departed Paul and Barnabas when the going got tough. Paul wrote to Timothy that Demas had forsaken me having loved this present world. Paul said that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me. Paul said at my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. We need to be careful that we do not give up in trying times. We need to be careful during these times not to question God's ways. It may not make sense and we may not be able to understand it all, but our God knows the end from the beginning. The same God who saved us back there years ago. He's the same God that's going to get us to the other side. He's the same God that knows how to get us through days of uncertainty. He who said, follow me, is the same one who says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Don't let the circumstances of life drive your confidence in God. Don't let a lack of understanding shake your faith in God's ways. 
Don't let situations keep you from being in tune with God and walking with Him. I want you to notice in verse 6, the source of their lack of understanding was because sorrow had filled their hearts. Would you look at verse 6 again? But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Already in this discourse, Jesus has told His disciples in John 14, 1, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in Me. In John 15, 11, Jesus said, These things have I spoken unto you, that My joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Jesus doesn't want us to be sorrowful Christians. We're to be joyous Christians. Jesus here is trying to get them to understand that sorrow is what is affecting their prayer life. This kind of sorrow. There are different kinds of sorrow. The Bible says that godly sorrow worketh repentance. There are times of sorrow which are not like these kinds of sorrow. I believe it's okay to sorrow when somebody dies. But the Bible says don't sorrow like those who have no hope. This kind of sorrow here, this is the kind of sorrow which causes us heaviness. It's the kind of sorrow that is a grief to bear. This is the kind of sorrow that sinks us into despair and into depression. This is the kind of sorrow where there's no place for joy to be found. When sorrow fills our heart, it clouds our awareness of God. Sorrow turns our focus inward to self. Sorrow makes us lose sight of the fact that God has something greater in store. We'll see later on in this chapter that if we'll just stay with it, our sorrow can be turned to joy. We see from this that sorrow affects our prayer life. Jesus said, none of you have asked me where I'm going because sorrow has filled your heart. It, it leads to a weakened prayer life. In Luke 22, verses 45 and 46... Uh, speaking of Jesus when He was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, it says, And when He rose up from prayer and was come to His disciples, He found them sleeping for sorrow. And said unto them, Why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. You understand that sorrow will keep us from the will of God. It'll keep us from our prayer life. It'll make us start to see things out of context. Not understanding what the will of the Lord is. Matthew Henry wrote this. It is the common fault and folly of melancholy Christians to dwell upon the dark side of the cloud. To meditate nothing but terror. And turn a deaf ear to the voice of joy and gladness. End quote. These disciples had their eye on what this world was going to bring upon them. They saw the gloom. They saw the darkness. They saw the terror of this world. And that affected them hearing what Christ was trying to say to them. I think there may be some in this hour who see the terror of a virus. And in that moment, they miss what God is trying to say to them. Because sorrow hath filled our hearts. So what are we supposed to do? Well, look at the beginning of verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth... It is expedient for you that I go away. How would it make sense that Christ going away was what would be best for these disciples? Listen, if we were in their shoes, we'd be thinking the same thing. So don't be too hard on these disciples, amen. How does this make sense that Jesus says, I'm going to depart? Nevertheless, 
it is expedient for you that I do it, that this is what's best for you. That doesn't make sense. But that which made them question the operation of God, His departure, was the very thing which would lead to the greatest of all blessings. The comforter would arrive. God dwelling in us. That which they saw as the end of the ministry was really the beginning of a greater and farther reaching ministry. And now that which Jesus did in Judea and Galilee has now spread throughout the world. We have God living in us. The Bible says in Romans eleven thirty three, 33, Oh, the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. It doesn't make sense to me what's happening in this hour. It's hard for me to say that I'm happy that at the turn of the year we were pushing towards two services because we were overflowing one service. And now we're having two services to have smaller meetings. That's hard for me to understand as God's best. Are you with me? And yet... We're going to have to have faith and trust that it's expedient for us. That it's the best thing for us. It's not what I would have chosen. I rather enjoy the assembling of the saints. And I can tell you as a preacher up here, it's odd when the hand is missing from service. We're a body. And right now we're just kind of like this mutilated body out there. You look disgusting. You understand? I mean, it's just difficult that, man, the place was packed and the singing was just out of this world. Not that the singing was bad today, Madison and Karen, sorry. This is when I know I need to just shut up and move on. But it's just hard because, man, you could just sense the presence of God. I believe His presence is still with us. I'm just simply saying there's something about the gathering of the saints. And now it's hard to look out over a congregation of 40 and realize this is God's plan. But we have to keep on trusting God. There's a song, The Great I Am Still Is. The Great I Am Still Is. The heavens and the earth are His. He's the merciful, almighty, forever holy. And everything we must remember this, The Great I Am Still Is. His plans may not make complete sense to us, but they really don't have to. All we're called to do is to trust Him and His ways. Don't let the uncertainty that's out there, let your heart become filled with sorrow. Let's uh, continue to walk by faith. Don't allow what could happen to us in this world affect our prayer life. We still need to go to God in prayer. He will encourage us. The Bible says that He is our help in time of need. He'll give that to us. But we have to go to Him and ask. So let's continue to trust Him. Let's continue to walk by faith. Don't let your prayer life become weakened. Don't let sorrow fill your heart. Some of you have extra time on your hands now. Maybe you're not working now. Maybe you're working from home. You don't have that commute any longer. 
Maybe you've gained an hour in your day, maybe more. How much of that time is God getting? You see, God may be slowing us down to say, hey, 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 get your eyes up here. So however the Lord spoke to you, you do business with God today. Let's pray.